0: DJ Sugar Monkey for that wonderful set of music, for the translator ID, and for your informative report about Marble Council in the fresh edition of the Crystal Valley Echo out today. Also on stands is another edition of the Sopra Sun. This is Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, Raleigh Burley. And joining me in studio, we have the one and only Heather Sackett with Aspen Journalism
1: hi Raleigh thanks for having me
0: thanks for joining us Heather we also have super Sun youth journalist Gus Richardson hello and I do want to take a moment before we jump into our topic of the day which is the Thompson Creek Reservoir water rights which have been abandoned thank goodness I think I'll say that (laughs) I know we're supposed to be impartial Let's talk a little bit about the Sopra Sun event, though. Very quickly, because it's coming up one week from today. It's going to be at the Thompson Barn in RVR. I'm just finding that full-page ad here for all the details. starts at 5, ends at 8 p.m., and it is a wine tasting, thanks to the downtown liquors on Main Street. We'll be celebrating 15 years of local journalism, and the food will be provided by Honey Butter, Alegria, Itsy Bits, Catering, Pepinos, Ploskis, and others. There will be a giant birthday cake and an auction with items as diverse as a Zapotec blanket from Ecuador, handmade quilts, Brian Colley's book, a custom painting of your pet, some mountain fair t-shirts, 15 gallons of organic compost, snow shoveling surfaces, services, and lift tickets to go skiing. That and more in our silent auction. You'll certainly want to check it out and support your local weekly nonprofit newspaper as well as our youth journalism program. Oh yeah, the Boneheads will also be performing music at that event. Uh we just heard Ken Pletcher, one member of the Boneheads oh. rendition of Everything Under the Sun. Oh or I other. never knew that. It's from really cool. the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ken played two guitars at the same time. To Whoa. Give us That intro.
2: How? Like, he played
0: he... one 10-string guitar with his toes. Oh wow. He used all 10. <laughs> That's <toes>. really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty impressive Ken Pletcher hell of a guy he'll be performing music at that event once again you can find tickets on our website for that february 8th event and while we're just being a little bit promotional i want to mention too that the four rivers biennial exhibit is at the aspen chapel gallery on wednesday Uh, so the day before that birthday party there'll be over 45 valley artists with 100 pieces and an opening reception, again, on Wednesday, February 7th at 5 p.m., where people can vote on the People's Choice Award, and that will also benefit the Sopra Sun, a proceed of all sales from that exhibit. But without further ado, it's it's getting a little big. We're almost 15, the Sopra Sun, so kind of making a deal out of it.
2: Almost can legally drive.
0: Yeah, it's our quinceañera.
2: Huzzah!
0: But we're here to talk about water rights, local reporting. So grateful for Aspen Journalism, another nonprofit news partner here in the Valley with the dedicated water desk and a journalist as talented as Heather Sackett. Uh, Heather, why don't you begin by telling us a little bit of how you got to be a reporter and on the water beat?
1: Sure. Um, Well, first of all, I want to say congrats to the Sopra Sun, 15 years. That's a huge deal. Um, Aspen Journalism is also a nonprofit news organization. And um, I firmly believe that the nonprofit funding model is the best one for community journalism. So um, congrats to you guys and keep up the good work.
0: Thank you. We'll try Um, our best.
1: (laughs) Uh, So I got my start in community journalism, mostly small newspapers, um, starting in upstate New York, the Lake Placid News, Adirondack Daily Enterprise, and then moved out to Colorado, worked at the Littleton Independent and the Denver Post covering Douglas County. And then I moved to Telluride, worked at the Telluride Daily Planet. um, And then I went back to grad school specifically for environmental journalism. Uh, found Aspen Journalism and started freelancing for them, and then um, started working full-time for Aspen Journalism in 2019.
0: Okay, great. And was water a topic that you explored throughout your career then, before you were at Aspen Journalism, or when did it become your focus?
1: Um, Really, when I started with Aspen Journalism, you know, I was always interested in in environmental issues, especially working um, in these mountain town resort communities. There was always a lot of, you know, stories around like public lands and water and environmental issues and stuff like that. Um, But I wasn't specifically interested in water until I started with Aspen Journalism. And there's just, there's so much to it. You can explore every issue through water.
2: Mm. You know,
1: you've got politics, law, the environment, um, you know, local governments, like every single issue water seems to touch. So um, just find it a fascinating subject.
0: Yeah. I mean, water... Water goes deep. <laughs> we are made of water, <laughs> and uh, so of course it would it would turn up and all those different issues. Um, so the article specifically that we printed in this week's edition of the Sooper Sun is about a conditional water right on the Thompson Creek, um, which was abandoned, uh, and so this could have been a reservoir over 23,000 feet tall. Um, Thankfully, we don't have to put up a fight to stop that from happening. Uh, It would have really affected the crystal watershed. How did you first become aware of this conditional water right?
1: Um, well, so part of my job is um, just combing through really wonky, impenetrable documents. Okay. And so <laughs> um, every couple months, I check out the water court resume. And this is actually public. You know, anyone can go online and look through this. And they do actually publish these in the paper. I think the paper of record is probably the Aspen Times or the Glenwood Springs um, post-independent, but um, this, you know, it's out there. So people can go look this up, and I did. And Mm -hmm. uh, so just started digging into it a little bit and found that these conditional rights were still kind of hanging out there from, I believe, 1966. Right. And um, so what happens with conditional water rights is they allow a water user to reserve their place in line. In Colorado, water is based on your priority date. So the older the water right Um, that means you get first use of the river. So the older rights are more valuable, they're more powerful, and so they had this 1966 right, but the water had never been developed, obviously. It had never been used, and every six years with a conditional right, you have to go to water court and file what's known as a diligence application to sort of maintain your place in line. And you have to prove to the water court um, what they've done to sort of move towards developing this water right
2: mm-hmm so um I, I don't know a lot about water in Colorado and I'm wondering why would someone want to be first in line for that river water
1: um because you get to use it first so if you have an, an old right um like what happens is as more users come on the river more and more people take that water out of the river and so there might not be any water left for those very recent water rights. But, for example, let's use the crystal as an example. Some of the oldest water rights date to the 1880s, and those are all agriculture users. And so they, they get their water first. Um, and so anyone else that comes on the river after them, they may or may not get their water. You know, if it's a drought year, uh, there may not be enough water for them.
0: And so even people upstream of that water right, if they're more junior, might have to just let the water flow by um, toward a more senior water right?
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Um, and so because this was never developed, them abandoning this water right doesn't really affect things as far as making anybody who was more junior, more senior. Um, but it is interesting that they held on to it since 1966. Uh Are you aware of any reporting that's happened prior to this week or when you started writing about this, like, you know, back decades ago? Uh, Not
1: that I'm aware of. You know, I just did a quick Google search to see if maybe my predecessor or any other reporters had covered this before, and I I did not find anything out there. I think a lot of times these – you know, these diligence applications are super common. Like, if you look at the resume, probably half of them are di- are diligence applications for these conditional water rates that have never been developed. And I think a lot of times they fly under the radar. People don't um, really notice or realize that they're still hanging around out there.
0: It makes me wonder, like, how many of these are out there still, like, just places we couldn't imagine with a big reservoir. Um, but with these rights still being held on to.
1: Right, yeah. And so there was a study done in 2009 by Western Resource Advocates, and this information might be a little bit out of date, but they found that there were conditional water rights for specifically tied to um, oil and gas development for 27 reservoirs and something like 730,000 acre-feet of water just in the Colorado Main stem alone that were just hanging out there, you know, conditional water rights. So people have tried to sort of quantify this in the past. Um, I would assume that number's a little bit lower now, but um, but still pretty big.
0: Well, and you would think, I mean, it's really valuable, and they do have to prove that they might use the water right eventually, which probably becomes difficult over time. For people who haven't read the article, why was it abandoned? Why did this company decide to give it up?
1: So the company is called Puckett Land Company. They're based in Greenwood Village, which is a suburb of Denver. Um, And they own, they have a bunch of land holdings around western Colorado, in Garfield and Rio Blanco counties. And what they said was it was for business purposes. They said, you know, they just took a look at their water rights portfolio and it wasn't worth it to them to try to hang on to this. Mm um yeah
0: could you help us visualize where it would have been the reservoir hypothetically
1: um so we do have a map with our story which Mm -hmm. was reprinted in the sober sun thank you and also on (laughs) aspenjournalism.org um and so it would be on thompson creek you know just upstream from if you're familiar with sunfire ranch um and so it, it was on blm land in pitkin county you know, not far from the Sunfire Ranch property line.
0: Wow, that would have been a huge impact
2: for them, right? So, um, sorry if this is a silly question, but um, why would a reservoir, another reservoir, be bad for people who might not super get it? Uh,
1: well, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily be bad. I think, um, you know, if. So, so this was specifically um, supposed to be used for oil and gas development. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess you can make the argument um, that we should be moving away from fossil fuels right now. So it's, uh, you know, not promoting clean energy. And then also dams and reservoirs have a lot of really negative effects on the ecosystem. Um, so fish and, you know, animals, wildlife, stuff like that. And then you know the river itself um i think you could also make the argument that it has could have had the potential to be beneficial for other water users you know say even if oil and gas didn't use that water there's the potential that like agriculture users could have somehow you know they can in water court they can always like change these uses and change who owns the water and stuff like that um so downstream users could have maybe used some of this water so um i guess you know there's an argument to be made that it maybe it wasn't all bad but um yeah dams and reservoirs definitely have uh negative impacts to ecosystems
2: okay yeah i can i can understand that i can see that
0: well, you think about all the flooding that would have occurred and then like yeah. stimulate the natural flow of the creek and um yeah those changes are pretty dramatic for the ecosystem uh for people just tuning in this is everything under the sun i'm your host raleigh burley joined by Heather Sackett with Aspen Journalism and Gus Richardson with the Sober Sun Youth News Bureau. Um, and I wanted to ask about if it was specifically this reservoir, if it would have been for oil and gas development, that would have been oil and gas on the Thompson Divide, right?
1: You know, that is unclear. Okay. Um, this reservoir is or was the proposed site would have been within the withdrawal area that is proposed by the BLM and Forest Service. So um, it's kind of a little bit unclear how this reservoir would have operated with Puckett Land Company's other holdings. And I think um, you know that was a sticking point for some of the experts that I talked to. There wasn't a clear way that this reservoir was going to be part of the integrated system.
2: Mm-hmm. So. You mentioned the integrated system. Is there a system of like waterways? And well, obviously, because rivers, but is there like a, a regulatory system for how we set up reservoirs and how we set up man made lakes and rivers and stuff like that? Oh
1: boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. We're learning about water today. <laughs> so the way it usually works is someone goes to water court and they get this conditional right for a reservoir. And then if that goes through water court and there's, Opportunities for everyone. Anyone can oppose it. Mm-hmm. And then you get involved in all these negotiations. And then if a water right is actually granted for the reservoir, then they have to go through the whole permitting process and who's in charge of the permitting process. It, it depends where it's located. So like in this case, it probably would have been the BLM since it was on BLM land. Um, but, yeah, there was a whole process. It's very complicated. It's very lengthy. It could take decades to wow. permit and design oh. and build a, a reservoir.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Plus, they would have had a lot of opposition. Right. So tell us a little bit about the responses to this company abandoning the water rights.
1: Um, <clears throat> well, I haven't heard much of a response. Actually, <laughs> maybe... Um, you know, a, a few people I know, um, some people on Pitkin County Healthy Rivers Board are happy about that. Um, some people in the environmental community, you know, uh, Wilderness Workshop was concerned about this um, because they support the Thompson Divide withdrawal proposal. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, haven't heard like a ton of feedback. Okay. I don't know. Have you? What have you heard?
0: <laughs> oh, I think a lot of people, it was just like a shocking thing to even imagine um, as we – speak more and more about wild and scenic status for the Crystal River, um, plus all that oil and gas withdrawal process for the Thompson Divide, just um, thinking that conditional water rights existed for oil and gas development right there just south of town. I think came as a shock to people who were just totally unaware that that was even a possibility.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and I was totally unaware that it was a possibility too. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, um, you know, that's just proof that these water court filings tend to sort of fly under the radar a lot of, t- a lot of the time.
0: And it speaks to the importance of your role as a water reporter um, sustained. I mean, we were talking about the value of nonprofit journalism Um you know, to have a dedicated person, and I know your position's funded through foundations, grants, um, but people know the importance of water, and then they can support you to be on that specifically. Um, and without Aspen Journalism, probably this and many other stories would completely uh, not get attention because also, as we're learning, water is dense, <laughs> the topic. Yes. And... um Yeah, it it takes somebody with the time, with the knowledge uh, to bring things to the surface like this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Um, I I totally agree. I think, you know, I cover this as a beat. So total, you know, shoe leather reporting. I am out there. I'm going to all these meetings. I am reading the documents. And uh, it is really complicated, and I'm not even going to pretend like I'm an expert. You know, I, <laughs> I learn something new with every single story I do. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's the best way to approach a topic as, as dense and complicated as
0: water. What stories are you working on now? Do you oh, have that's any previews top, for That's us? top secret, secret, Raleigh.
2: We're not trying to steal your <laughs> <laughs> We don't have the time. <laughs> We're struggling to steal our own stories. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I'm actually working on something right now. Um, the Colorado Sun actually already just did a story on this, but it's okay. it's sort of similar to um, the Thompson Creek conditional water rates for reservoirs in that um, – these This story involves conditional water rights for reservoirs in Summit County. And so this is Colorado Springs had, you know, very similar situation. They have these conditional water rights to build reservoirs in the high country of Summit County um, that have been hanging out there since like 1952, I think. And um, they filed their diligence application, and in that case, a bunch of opposers got involved. So there was the River District, um, we had Summit County, town of Breckenridge, all these people said, you know, no, we don't want you taking more water from the Western Slope over to Colorado Springs. So they got involved, and they just hammered out a a settlement where those conditional water rights, Colorado Springs has agreed to abandon them. So, the possibility for those reservoirs is going to go away. And in exchange, in return, Colorado Springs is going to get to enlarge an already existing reservoir on the east side of the divide. So, um, you know, and everyone is like pretty happy about this. Um, the River District, they were created in 1937 to oppose just these types of Trans Mountain diversions. And so, um, you know, I think everyone was like pretty happy with that settlement, but um, so that's that's something I'm working on. That's you know has similar issues to the um, Thompson Creek situation.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, and probably a lot more complicated when it is involving cities and populations and supplying water to. They say Colorado Springs is going to be bigger than Denver by 2050.
1: Right. Yeah. For sure. Yep.
0: And then the political power too that we see. Colorado, with the population much bigger on the east, but more water in the west. Um, yeah, that's a whole topic.
1: Yeah, it makes for a lot of interesting issues.
0: Do you get to travel a lot outside of our valley? Are you going, you know, far? west to cover these issues are you ever going to the front range
1: yeah i do i do travel um you know the state water board and these different so there's nine basin roundtables that represent each of colorado's nine different river basins and they meet you know all around the state um and so i do travel to go to those sometimes i travel to go to the colorado water conservation board they meet often in denver um you know, I go to Grand Junction quite a bit. There's a lot of interesting water issues in the Grand Valley. I also went up to Rangeley and Meeker this past fall for a couple meetings. Um, so, yeah, pretty much uh, I would say most of my reporting stays on the West Slope, um, which is really great. love to travel around the West Slope. But, um, you know, like you said, kind of the seat of political power and population center is the front range. So I do go to Denver, too.
0: Mm hmm. And as um, Aspen Journalism's Water Desk reporter, are you limited geographically in what you cover? Or would you write about, for example, like the pooter and water stuff happening over at Fort Collins, for example?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, It's just Colorado River Basin is kind of my area i do focus a lot on local stuff you know roaring fork basin and that includes obviously the crystal in the frying pan mm-hmm. um but wider you know zoom out a little bit i do mostly western slope and then even the whole colorado river basin you know i've been to the lower basin once on a tour of all the infrastructure down there in california and arizona um, and then every year i go to a big conference in las vegas but um I would say geographically, it's mostly Western slope. I know there are a ton of interesting things happening, um, like on the pooter and in grand County, they're the most diverted County in the state. But, um, you know, unfortunately I'm just one person, so I don't, I tend to not be able to get to everything.
0: Well, I saw too, that Nederland has now given, um, representation to Boulder Creek and that was an interesting development. Um, that they do now have two people who are sort of like guardians for the creek.
1: Yeah, rights of nature. It's a really mm-hmm. interesting uh, legal area. I know, um, I believe the town of Ridgeway did the same thing. They gave rights to the Uncompagre River, I think. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a, an interesting area of law.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we do have just about two minutes left. Do you have any more questions, Gus?
2: Uh, No, not really. Uh, Just that, I don't know, I've never, I I learned a lot about water today, and that's that's important. (laughs) Uh, So thank you for teaching me about water, and I hope that our listeners learned about water as well. Well, it keeps going deeper.
1: Yeah, there's more where that came from, Gus. Look look me up.
2: (laughs) A flood of information.
1: (laughs) And puns. Lots of water puns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anything you'd like to add, Heather?
1: Um... Can't really think of anything at the moment, but just thank you so much for having me on. Um, thanks for reprinting our story and um, yay nonprofit news.
0: Go nonprofit news. We hope yeah. to see you, Heather, at the wine tasting event again, February eighth. Can find more information about that uh, in this week's paper. Lots of good information this week. Uh, so stay tuned for the regional roundup by Maeve Conrad coming up next and. Um, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in.